Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply. Somebody say that word with me, haply. If haply, he might find anything thereon. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Now this is vitally important. For the time of figs was not yet. For the time of figs was not yet. It wasn't the season. It wasn't time for that. Jesus answered and said, it, said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. What's he teaching us? Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. This is big faith. This is out of season faith. The wise man said in Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a time and a season. But there is something about the spirit of expectation that moves the heart of God and causes him who holds seasons in his hands to abruptly move from a place where it may not be your season, but because you're hungry, he'll answer you. I feel like preaching tonight about out-of-season expectations. Out-of-season expectations. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Our text concerns the unfruitful fig tree. The Bible said that Jesus came from Bethany and he was hungry. That's, that's one of the few things that I have in common with Jesus. He's a better man than I'll ever be, but I'm hungry quite a bit. So he comes to Jerusalem and he sees a fig tree. The fig tree is green with leaves, and so he goes to it for a snack. Now, I've preached this many times in my ministry. I've heard this preached many times in my life. That the reason he cursed the fig tree is because it was not producing. But I think you need to stop and look at the season they were in. It's interesting to note that God manifest in the flesh, who knows all seasons, walks up to a tree that's out of season to gather fruit. At best, there would have been a couple of buds on the tree that someday would have been figs, but they weren't quite ready. And the scripture said that when he got there, all that he saw were the leaves. It is an unfruitful tree, yet it is a tree that's not in its season. But there is a word that I want you to notice with me if you were, would. The word is happily. That doesn't mean happily as in smiling, giddy, emotional, upbeat. If I speak positive enough, it'll happen. The word happily is a word that actually means perhaps or by chance. Jesus walks up to a tree that's out of season by chance. 
that there may be something there even though the season hasn't come. Why does he do that? Because Jesus doesn't waste anything and he's always teaching. And Jesus is teaching to his disciples. There is a slim chance that today may be the day that even though somebody told you it wasn't your turn and somebody told you it wasn't your season, it never, never, ever does it hurt you to stop by and just check and see if today might be the day that the Lord would bless you. There was a man by the name of Simeon who it was said that he would see the consolation of Israel before his passing. And I don't want to get stuck here for a long time, but the way the scripture alludes to the idea, it shows us that on the day they brought Jesus to the temple that he just so happened to stop by and stick his head in the door of the temple that day to see the consolation of Israel. But you have to understand that wasn't just because he was led of the Holy Ghost. That wasn't the first day that he had stuck his head, I don't believe, in the door of that temple looking for the consolation of Israel. I believe that he lived every day of his life as if he were on his tiptoes looking because the word had came to him. You're going to see the consolation of Israel before you die. There is something to be said about somebody that's not just showing up because he answers here but showing up just in case happily pastor I've tried and I've tried and I've tried I've been prayed for and I haven't got healed I've asked the Lord to touch me and he hasn't done it yet but just happily on this Sunday night I stopped by just in case we know there was nothing on the tree but leaves. But he's teaching us. The Messiah is always teaching us. He was showing us that an expectation out of season is not a sin. If he had approached the tree just a few weeks later, the season would have deemed it probable that there would have been something on the tree. But it wasn't the season. And it wasn't the time. He speaks to us through a message in his actions that we shouldn't stand around waiting for the day that somebody brings our miracle and hands it to us. But that whenever we're hungry, you can always find us looking through the leaves. Because I believe on this Sunday night, there's somebody here that believes God can. Some may have told you it's not your season, but God can do it right now. I had a man in this church come to me a few weeks ago. And he said, Pastor, thank you for praying the giver's prayer. Thank you for that. He was talking about praying the giver's prayer at offering. Some people may think it's just hootie do, you know. But God's doing some stuff. He said he received a call from an investigative firm just a, a few weeks ago. And they asked, are you so-and-so? He said, yes, I am. They said, well, do you know the name of so-and-so? He said, yes. And uh, this was apparently an uncle that died 20 years ago. But the investigative firm was looking for a relative that was close. Because the uncle that died 20 years ago left an inheritance for a man 20 years later. That they could not find. Can I tell you right now what happens when you open up your mouth and say we receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and return. Can I tell you what happens? It's an out of season expectation. And the Lord said you watch me expedite. I'll reach back 20 years ago and bring a miracle right now. Savior that said today is a day of salvation. 
then right now is the appointed time. I know there's somebody here tonight that says, Preacher, when I get it all together, I'll serve the Lord. I feel like an out-of-season expectation here tonight. Don't wait to get perfect. Let God feel you today. Somebody shout right now. This is something that's always bothered me. When I would read 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, I never really quite connected the dots. Because Paul is issuing a challenge to his son in the gospel, and he says to him, he says, preach the word. And then, and then he, like that part's easy, just preach the word. And then he says, be instant. In season and out of season. There is an out of season with God. That if you'll preach, Timothy, even if it's out of season. Preaching the word of faith will expedite the heart of God and will bring things forward that maybe weren't meant to be there until you open up your mouth and say, I hear the sound of an abundance. In 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, we find a desperate woman her promise had died. Very sad story. A Shunammite woman. She had a son that was promised to her and he had died. And she sends word for the man of God to come. And her husband actually says to her in verse 23, he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither a new moon nor a Sabbath. And she said, watch this now. He said, it's not your season. She said, it shall be well. He said, why would you worry about it today? It's not a good day for the miracle. But the woman said, it shall be well. Well, that's foolishness. I'll tell you what it is. It's an out of season expectation with somebody that's not concerned about the season or the time. She spoke a word of faith when there was no evidence that it was solid ground to stand on. I'm telling you, the miracle was dead as a doornail. And somebody told her, it's not your time. And she said, right now, today, it shall be well. I'm casting forth the faith and I believe in God that before I lay my head down tonight, it shall be well. Can I preach simple to you right now? Can I get a principle in your spirit that you need to hear? Her future depended on her present response. Woo! Some of us get frustrated and throw in the towel when frustration is at its greatest. But I want to let you in on a secret. That frustration is there. The scripture said that in the end time, the enemy was going to try to wear out the saints. And that frustration is there not only to frustrate you, but to frustrate your faith. And that's why when Jesus dealt with Peter, he said, Satan has desired that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. I'm telling you, when you're frustrated, it's easy to throw in the towel and say, I guess my time is never going to come. I guess my season is never going to change. But I wonder what would happen if instead of giving glory to the season, you would throw your head back and say, it is well. What if she would have waited on the proper season? Tell you what would have happened. She would have took her miracle and put it in the ground and buried it. 
there's something that happens with somebody when your faith has been rocked. Your world has been shattered, but you can walk into the presence of the Lord so full of expectation and believing that just because it looks impossible, it doesn't mean it is impossible. For with man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You do know there's biblical precedence for this. Because Jesus went to the well at Samaria at the sixth hour of the day. This was the time of day when normal people would have been sitting down to eat a meal. It was not the time that this woman probably would have been there to draw water from the well. But he went there with an out of season expectation. Jesus risked revival in Samaria by a midday visit to a well with a woman that the world said, you got no business giving her the time of day. But Jesus sat down and began to speak to her about a drink. And she said, sir, are you really asking me for a drink? And he said to her, ma'am, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would be asking of a drink of me. Can I tell you right now that God has a way of showing up when you least expected it and giving you a drink that you'll never thirst again. I know everybody in this church, I, I, I can't really preach to you because everybody here is perfected and every, everybody's perfect and got, got it all right. But <laughs> I know all of you became professional Pentecostals before you prayed through and got baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, don't strike, please. I've been there. I, I, I've been there with you. I, 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 was, I was there with, with folks when, man, they were so far from having it together. Their lives were a mess. Amen. I look around this room sometimes, and it's easy for me when I just look at, at some of the precious people here to forget where they really were when God found them. I'm just being honest with you. There's, it's like unbelievable when I think of the goodness of the Lord. And I think about how good God has been to some of us. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. When I say that he didn't find you when you came into a sanctuary. He found you in a gutter. He found you in a mess. He found you somewhere trying to find yourself. But there was a hand that reached down further than you could reach up. You had made so many mistakes. It felt like all hope was gone. But out of season, at just the right time, Jesus stepped in and he made a difference. I'll tell you the stories. Folks in this church, one after the other, about the goodness of God. I used to hear my dad tell the story all the time when I was a kid. It was hard for me to imagine the dad I never knew. But my father didn't always live for the Lord. And he told the story that he was sitting in a bar one night, on Saturday night, on a bar stool. I'm glad he had it all together, aren't you? He didn't just finish preaching a conference, although sometimes when you're done preaching like that, never mind. <laughs> the three of you that got that, that's, I'm just joking, just joking. He said that he was sitting on a bar stool. I mean, like, how, how far from God can you get, really? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, Jesus don't hang out in the honky-tonk. Or does he? Because a voice came to our bishop sitting on a bar stool and said, if you don't get back now, you'll never get back. God, I want to preach to somebody right now. I want to tell you, he has a strange way of reaching into places that you never dreamed he'd reach for you. Don't come to me telling me your life's too messed up for him. Don't come to me telling me that God can't do something with your life. I'm reaching for somebody tonight. I want to tell you that he's got a way of reaching you in the most unexpected place. 
of God. Somebody shout yes. yes. He gives the revelation of his Messiahship to one of the least likely people in the world. And she leaves her water pots and goes into the city. He reaches to a woman that has no business getting reached. But that woman goes into the city and said, come see about a man. <laughs> now, listen. In John 4 and 30, Scripture said they went out of the city and they came unto him. His disciples have returned from the city. Listen to what I'm telling you. They went to the marketplace of Samaria to buy meat. But they didn't bring one person to Jesus. You can be seated. The people that walked with him every day took him for granted. The people that walked with him every day weren't excited enough about him to tell somebody who he was. But that one woman. Can I tell you right now, God's about to set this church on fire with just a few people that don't deserve to be here and they don't deserve mercy. They're just like all of us. Somebody's about to get their soul set on fire and we're going to have revival and we're going to dance around the good old statues and stone faces. People sitting there acting like they've been baptized in pickle juice. You know what we're going to do? We're going to have revival anyway. We're going to have revival anyway. Amen. All right. Whatever you say, I'm going to tell you what happened. This one woman that got a drink realized she had never been satisfied like she was when Jesus touched her. And she went into the city. I'm going to read it to you right here. Listen, I'm going to read it to you right here. The disciples came to Jesus and didn't bring anybody with her. But in John chapter 4 and verse 35, the woman comes and brings a crowd with her. Listen, I'm fixing to mess you up right here. The woman brings a crowd back to Jesus. And the, the crowd, Jesus looks at the crowd and he said, Say not ye that there are four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already unto harvest. Another translation says it like this. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time to harvest well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's in front of you right now. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It is harvest time. It wasn't harvest time. It was four months away. Jesus said, some of you know the season. It's four months away. But you're in the middle of a Samaritan harvest right now. Jesus had a two-day revival in the city, beginning with a woman that didn't deserve the drink. <laughs> You're not hearing what I'm telling you right now. This is for all the perfected folks. God is about to mess up our pews. I don't know if y'all are ready for what I'm about to tell you. Can I just be real with you and tell you, you better get used to some extra tattoos? You better get ready for some nicotine. Why don't God send us normal people? Because normal people think they've got it together. We're going to deal with people that steal you blind. I remember we started having revival in the old building. And the women started coming to dad after church saying, somebody stole money out of my purse. Like, who runs off and leaves their money laying in their purse? 
well, what are we going to do? People are stealing money out of our purse. I said, well, it sounds like revival to me. Because those people right there, they have robbed people blind all their life because they didn't have anybody to give them anything. But when they get a drink of this refreshing water, Why in the world, Pastor, do you desire? I'm going to preach on it because it's been a while since I hit it. Why in the world do you desire for us to fill up buses with a bunch of snot-nosed brats that are going to tear up our Sunday school room? I'm going to tell you why. Because those snot-nosed brats are going to be pastors, evangelists, missionaries, prophets, apostles. God's about to do it. God's about to shake this church. God's about to mess us up. It's an out-of-season expect. God's going to give you people that throw shoes at pastor. I love you, girl. I'll tell you something, folks. I don't believe that God's a God of chaos and disorder, okay? Don't get me wrong. But that's an indictment on us. If our city is in chaos and our world is in chaos, where in the world are they going to find order? Probably not going to believe me. But we pastor families in this church, couples in this church, that the husband used to beat his wife. (gasps) We don't want those kind. You don't even know who they are. Because God picked them up, turned them around, set their feet on a solid... The psalmist said, he brought me out of a terrible pit. He brought me out of a deep place. He brought me out of a dark place. God can still do it. He's still turning it around. And I don't care what season they say it is, it's harvest time. I don't want to embarrass anybody tonight. I I really don't. So I'm not going to call names. Man, I had guys calling me poor mouthing every week. My God, man, what are we going to do? They got our church shut down. So I'm sorry. And they're like, man, we're going the wrong way. I'm losing people. People aren't coming to church. Like, oh, you aren't open. What do you, I mean, what do you want to do? And people are saying, it's a scary time to pastor. Oh, my, 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 COVID. What are we going to do? We got COVID. Oh, people aren't going to. I'm going to tell you all something right now. We experienced sustained growth and blessing in this church in a season when people said it's too dangerous to have church. I know there's some that aren't here tonight. If you started coming to this church after that thing started, would you stand, please, tonight? If you came here. After March of last year. If you came here after March of last year. It's not a good season for revival. It's a great day for revival. It's a great day for harvest. You hear what I'm telling you? I'm not going to let the season predicate the kind of move of God that we have in this church. I'm telling you, I'm, it don't have to be Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night to baptize somebody in Jesus' name. I just as soon it be Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon. I don't care what season it is. I want harvest. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. Simon Peter and others were cleaning their nets because it had been a long night. They fished all night. It was a desperate time. Old Pete was short a few bucks. Needed a few dimes to rub together. Had to get some fish. Fished all 
night long. And the fish, they just weren't there. Like, that's kind of the way it is every time I go fishing. They're like, they usually bite better than this. I'm like, you're a liar. I'm like, I'll just go play golf and forget it. Luke 5 and 4. Now, when, they had, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, I love this. Sorry, I'm fogging up over here. Launch out into the deep. Let down your net for a drop. Simon answered and said, well, it's not a good season. We've already tried this. We toiled all night. And we have taken nothing. But I want to show you. Woo! There's one word that changes all of this. Nevertheless. I prayed and 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 the devil, glory to his name, has kept him from coming. I'll tell you something, folks. Sometimes the power is not in holding on, it's in letting go. I, I, I just, I, I want to be sure you got that because I just preached a sermon and a half right there. You, you, you keep on holding on. And that, that's our mindset. Get you, a, get you a little knot on the end of that rope, honey. You just hold on. As long as all you're doing is hanging on to the end of the rope, that's the only place you're going to go. But sometimes faith is not hanging on. Sometimes faith is turning it loose and saying bitterness is what's holding me on the end of this rope. Frustration is what's holding me on the end of this rope. And God, right now, I'm through with holding on to it, and I'm releasing it. You tried it your way. You did it your way all night long. And the Holy Ghost said, launch out one more time. Peter said, I tried, and it didn't work. So I'm going to try it your way. Yeah. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. nevertheless. And when they had this done Woo! they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break I want to ask you a question if you've been trying this long to no avail and it hasn't worked let me, can I just ask you what do you got to lose What is the worst thing that could happen right now? The worst thing that could happen right now is that Peter would cast his net and bring it up empty. What's he lost? 15 minutes. And we're always living in the process of what if it doesn't happen? God, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. We live always negotiating. But God, what if it don't happen? What if it don't work? What if the fish don't come? What if I look foolish because I trusted you and you didn't come through? First thing you need to know is nobody's ever trusted him when he didn't come through. And the second thing you need to know is when he's all you got, he's more than enough. I'm about to say something. Might as well preach. I'm here. Brother Lang, you've been a pastor. And you pastored in third world countries. And I'm going to tell you something. The people that I know that have always told me they were too broke to pay their tithes always stay too broke to pay their tithes. I can't afford to pay my tithe. I don't make enough to pay my tithe. I'm going to tell you all something. This is not a Pentecostal church system. 
It's a God system. Well, that was under the law. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was a principle that was established before the law ever came. And I'm going to tell you something that will blow your mind. What God can do with 90%. Of, it's not the numbers that make sense. It's letting go and trusting God. I don't see how you're going to do it, but your word is right, and I trust the process, and I believe in God that you're going to be true to your word. I'm going to tell you something about this. People that don't tithe to the Lord, they may think they're ripping the church off, but they're not. They're ripping themselves off. I'm here, I'm just going to preach it. You may think that the church is all about money, but I, I, I'm, I'm just, this is probably going to sound mean. I, I don't want to be mean. I'm going to tell you the way the Lord told me when I was in here praying one day. The Lord told me, he said, if it's your church now, it'll always be your church. If it's my church, then it'll be my church. So here's what I want to tell you. Please understand, I'm not saying this to be ugly. And, and, and Brother Andrew Harrison said he'd, he'd get me out of here, be my security, if I get in trouble. I know Elvis has got it. Listen to what I'm telling you. Please, hear Pastor's heart. He created everything seen and unseen. Visible and invisible. He don't need my money. This church don't need my money. <laughs> Woo! This church don't need my money. Well, pastor needs it. No, pastor don't. Pastor don't change what I make whether you pay your tithes or I don't pay your tithes. I'm on celery. And sometimes that ain't a joke. No, I'm just playing. We're blessed. We're beyond blessed. I'm on celery. Sometimes I get a little ranch. Brother McLean has faithfully served this church for 30 years almost. My mother has served this church as a financial secretary. And there's one thing they can tell you. People can't withhold enough to stop the kingdom of God. Just can't, just can't do it. It's, not about, it's really not about how much I bring back to God. But I'm going to tell you that the people that testify to me will come to me and say, Pastor, all those years I had no clue what I was missing. When I started just putting my faith in God, he made a way where there was no way. I'm going to tell you what it does. It is an out-of-season expectation that if what you've always made hasn't worked, why don't you launch out one more time? I mean, I just told you tonight about a man that had an uncle die 20 years ago. I know what y'all are doing right now. You're going through old obituaries when you get out. Somebody will be on indianaunclaimed.com before we leave here tonight. Can I preach to you? I'm about finished. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen to my heart. I'm saying we may literally be one. Bishop, you preached it years ago. We may be one cast away from a net-breaking revival. One. One more time, Peter. One more time, trust God. One more Sunday, show up and believe. One more Wednesday, show up and believe. One more service, show up and be faithful. One more time, pay them tithes. One more time, give them that offering. One more time, pray that prayer. It may be that God changes the season. I'm hurrying to a close. God, shut up behind you. I don't preach every Sunday because I feel like preaching. 
I preach every Sunday that I preach. We have church every week that we have church. Because I'm waiting on your kid that we've prayed for to walk through the door. Elder, you carried the torch for many years in Wisconsin. Preach weekend after weekend. Do you ever have a week you didn't feel like preaching? I'm going to take that as a big yes. Dad, you always feel like going after it? I believe he likes to preach. I believe my dad preached with COVID. <laughs> Listen to what I'm telling you. If you let the enemy take the joy from you, he'll take not only your joy, but the expectation of what could happen the next time you do the will of God. Always find a way. I'm trying to help somebody right here. I don't want, I don't want to lose you because I'm just about finished. But you've always got to find a way to get the joy of what you're doing for God restored back into what you're doing. That's why the psalmist said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Listen to what I'm telling you. If it's not a joy to do the work of God, then you're not doing it for God anymore. If this thing wasn't so expensive, I'd drop it right now. That was a mic dropper. I'm not doing this. Uh, I thank God. I, I told a, a sister this today. I said, I thank God for every time you precious people are sweet and you know, the kindness of texts, the emails, the pats on the back. Pastor, you did so good. Thanks for blessing. But listen, I, I'm, I'm not doing this. For somebody to tell me how much they enjoyed my preaching. Man, I wish y'all could feel like half what I'm feeling right now. I'm not doing this so somebody tells me I did a good job. I'm doing this because I believe in every word that I'm saying. Dad, I believe in every word that you've preached. I believe every backslider that we've claimed is coming home. I believe every sinner that we've claimed is coming back. And I'm doing this not for the applause of men, but that so someday when I cross over that Jordan, I'll hear him say to me, enter in good and faithful servant. You didn't do it because it felt good. You did it because you're faithful. I, I'm finishing right here. Lame man in Acts chapter 3 was a full-grown man that the Scripture said had been laid there daily. As a matter of fact, he had laid at that temple every day through the 33 and a half years of Jesus' life. It seemed that his time was past. His time was over. I mean, if Jesus has already ascended, and this Jesus that everybody's talking about that's healing is gone, then my time is finished. Resignation to the idea this is just the way that it's always been. So it's the way that it's always going to be. But Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, with John said look on us sir one more time look on us that said I don't care how old he is I don't care if he's laid there for 40 years I don't care who his mama is and I don't care who his daddy is I don't care if he deserves this, and I really don't care how many times Jesus walked by him. Because Jesus said, these works that I do shall you do, and greater works than these shall you do. And he gave heed to them, expecting what? To receive something of them. How is it that you keep on expecting when your time has expired? If Jesus didn't do it, he's already, he's already ascended. I guess he's not going to do it. But somewhere in the soul of that man 
there was an out of season expectation. They said, I may not have got it last week, and I may not have got it the month before, but I feel like there's power in the hands of these men right here. And they looked at him and said, you are no further away than a word from us, because silver and gold have we none. But such as I have, give I thee. And watch this. Here it comes. Out of season. Shouldn't happen. In the name of Jesus, Get up and walk. I could preach it all night. One of the most powerful stories that you'll ever read about the miraculous power of Jesus Christ is how he takes something that shouldn't be working. Four days Lazarus has been dead. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And it's a precedent that was set in the Old Testament. In your Bibles, in the book of Numbers, the 17th chapter, the 5th verse said, And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom. Here's the problem. There's no way for it to blossom. It's disconnected from the roots. (laughs) God But there were not just blossoms on Aaron's rod There were almonds That were out of season Bishop the Lord had been speaking to me today about some words In the past You remember the sermon mother That dad preached in the old sanctuary Almonds. I'm reaching back into a season of revival in this church. I'm grabbing hold of a budding rod of Aaron. And I'm saying, Lord, you can do it right now. Not only were there buds, but there were almonds overnight. It wasn't the season. God have mercy. As a matter of fact, if you read in the context of the story, it was impossible fruit. Should have never been born on that stick. But God made a way where there seemed to be no way because his word said it would come to pass. Some say, but it's not our season yet. The door is not open. The alarm hasn't gone off yet. I haven't suffered enough. I'm not beat down enough. I'm not frustrated enough. I'm not in the right mindset. It's not harvest time. We've got four months left. Amos 9 and 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman. <laughs> One season is going to overtake the other season. And the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And the treader of the grapes, the one that's trampling that out in the wine press, him that soweth the seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine and the hills shall melt. I'm just saying to you tonight, it's going to start happening so fast that we're going to wonder where in the world it came from. And the only thing we're going to be able to say is it had to be God. Over the last 15 months, 16 months, I've looked at Mission Field Bishop and I said, what are we going to do if they don't open? And tonight I was pondering how I was going to preach this. I was supposed to be preaching a conference in Europe last month. And we couldn't have the conference. But honey, I, I was sitting in my office tonight. And I got distracted. And I thought, I'm going to check my email real quick. And I had an email from the airlines. And you can say it was just a quinky dink or whatever. But I opened up my email right there from the airline. Brother Andrew had said, Europe is open for travel. 
did make me want to go to Europe. I'll tell you what it did do, Brother Haney. It let me know we've been saying, God, open up these borders. Open up these nations. Get these places open. The airlines are starting to have to recognize. They said it'll never happen. But we've been praying, God, expedite the season. Open up these nations. Get our missionaries back in there. Get our missionaries home, God. Open it up. Let it happen. So I'm going to go ahead and declare right now with an out-of-season expectation. I can't wait for our next African crusade. I can't wait for our next meeting in South Africa with Brother Robbie and Sister Martha. I it's happening. But there's something in my spirit on this Sunday night. When I walked in this sanctuary, Sister Darla, I just said, this just might be the day. Whoa! Brother Lang, come here with me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't think I can. Just walk with me. God, Every nation that his foot's touched the soil of, I command it to come open right now. I command India and South Asia to come open right now in the name of Jesus. I command that COVID outbreak to cease right now. I command doctors to be amazed right now. I command governments right now that feel like they have established themselves Oh, God, to feel the almighty hand of our creator begin to rest on nation after nation after nation. I command socialist nations to come open right now. I command communist nations come open right now. I speak revival and harvest as we cast our dead one more time. One more time, Simon. Nevertheless, nevertheless, what if we don't see the fish? What if we do? If you're here tonight and you got enough faith in you to believe that even if you haven't seen it, you won't draw your feet up in the bed, Simeon, until you do. I'm asking you to take a step of faith, even if you just step out from where you are into the aisle right now, to say, Pastor, we believe with you tonight that every word God has spoken over us, it shall come.